0: You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh.
1: Before organizational change can succeed, it must first occur at a very subtle spiritual level in the individuals of the organization and then in the organization. Many people don't realize that that statement, like attracts like, can also work when it comes to corporate culture. It works within our small and bomb and pop businesses, and it works within our families. We're each here to learn something from one another, and when like attracts like and we come together as a unit, if the culture of an organization fails, it may be because we're not paying attention to the people within that organization. My guest today is David Shayner, and he has just written a wonderful book called The Seven Arts of Change, Leading Business Transformation That Lasts. This book is amazing because it not only addresses what goes on in the corporate culture or in an organization's culture, but it takes it to a level that an individual could pick up this book and utilize this in their own life for their own personal spiritual growth and development. And when we change ourselves, ultimately change occurs in every place in our life. I'd like to welcome David Shaner to 1111 Talk Radio.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for that very kind introduction.
1: Oh, you're quite welcome. This is a great book. I have really enjoyed reading it and going through it, and it's written in a way that uh, is very easy to see how, number one, um, change must happen in the organization because of the conflicts or the upsets or the the turmoil or the dysfunction arises, um, what the questions are that you ask, but then also, um, how to truly make that change through these seven wonderful steps that you, or seven arts that you have uh, designed within this book. So, thank you for this.
2: Well, you're, you're very welcome. I have to say that um, the editors uh, at my uh, publisher, Sterling Publishing, did a fine job. Um, as I said in the acknowledgments, that I had submitted to them actually two books um, one on personal development, spiritual development, and one on business development. Uh, Kind of two parts of my life that, uh, for for many many years, I I didn't understand how deeply they were connected myself. So I had submitted these 750 pages to my publisher, and through their uh, the genius of teaching this academic how to write a little bit more clearly for a wide audience, they have uh, narrowed it down to a, a very easy read of 184 pages and. I couldn't be more uh, excited by the, the, the feedback since it was just launched on November 2nd. I'm i I'm ecstatically happy by the, the reception that the book has already received.
1: Well, I can easily see how this is going to be a very successful book and is a book that will be read not only by many business leaders and organizations, but by individuals. And with the way we are right now in the economy, with the struggles that individuals are having in their own lives, in their own homes... And with many smaller businesses truly facing difficulty, uh, whether it is because of competition or what's just going on in our nation today, it seems like this is a very essential guide for change that's required. Why, Why do you think a spiritual guide for change is necessary at this time?
2: Well, uh, I, I think, finally, I think it's politically okay or politically correct after our Wall Street debacle and how kind of America has kind of lost faith with uh, kind of the financial institutions. I think, I think people were fed up and said, you know what, there's got to be a better way. And I think rather than thinking that spiritual development and business development have, um, have to live completely separate lives, I think to your point that the time is ripe now to actually kind of put this on the table and say, you know, um <laughs> I, I, I my father used to say you know, this may not be a rehearsal, meaning life. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> and, you know, we only have one shot at it, and the way I look at it is, um, why is it even? I think in the spiritual development community, we tend to think, well, I have my job, and then when I'm really at peace, is when I'm at my yoga class, or I'm meditating, or I'm uh, engaged at my church or synagogue or temple, and that's when I can really be the best. But we all know that work is a is you know a place where we, that we just have to put up with. And my thinking is. You know, uh, we're only here for so much time, and we should make every present moment count. So what is wrong with actually linking spiritual development, that is, how we embrace change in the workplace, is very much indicative of embracing change just as we kind of call upon ourselves to develop you know, greater and greater awareness and consciousness. So I thought, why can't work? You know, we all have to have a job. Why can't work be a, a wonderful whetstone where we spend maybe half or more of our lives and use that as a tool for our own personal, even spiritual development? And what I realized over the years is that, wow, uh, this this uh, wonderful track record that I've had as a, as a management consultant um, is something that, you know, maybe I could leverage this because, um, honestly, saying this to you and, and to your listeners, um, in 30 years of consulting, I would not use spiritual language when I would be walking in there with Fortune 500 companies. I would well, just you would be
1: think that speaking would, the language of business. Yeah, you would think people would, would say, well, you know, what the heck is he doing? Why is he talking this language? Doesn't he know we're in an office? You know, that it, would it would have been exactly. considered taboo.
2: Exactly, and they, they would have thrown me right out. So um, what I what I realized is that it is possible to use the business vernacular, and still get at the source where corporate or corporate change or where even a small business change has to happen is at the individual level. Um, so as I was explaining in the introduction to the book, actually I was just finishing the last chapter of a seven chapter seven arts book on spiritual development when I was looking and it and it and it and it hit me that for each of the arts there was a business counterpart that i had unknowingly been using like this finally was the language um that was kind of showing the the um connection between the, the seven arts of spiritual development and seven arts of organizational development and it just kind of hit me and so i took like one week off and immediately set out to write you know the next book um that would be You know the business book, which is which is um, for the most part the the seven arts of change book that's just been released.
1: Well, and one thing that I have noticed just in looking at businesses and kind of looking back on my own life, and I think that's kind of how our aha moments come about as we tend to look back just as within this book, you were kind of sitting at the picnic table and the exactly. uh-huh, aha came for, for what needed to be in this book. But I find that when an individual, if you just take a, a mom-and-pop business or any kind of even large organization that has started, oftentimes it holds the DNA of the person that's beginning it or it holds the DNA of the board of directors. The same dysfunction that goes on in our own personal lives, it will translate into everything that we do. Exactly. And so when you're talking about us taking the time for the yoga and the relaxation in, on certain parts of our life, but not looking at ourselves and not doing the work and and taking that same type of relaxation approach and contemplative approach in our business lives, then we're missing out on something. And the only time that change is going to happen is when it hurts bad enough. The fact of the matter is, is our vocation has to become our vacation. And our vacation has to become our
2: contemplation. Exactly, exactly. Well, very well said. And, and, you know, in our personal life, sometimes the, we hit rock bottom. You know, someone, uh, maybe there's an addiction problem of some kind, and, and they get that shock factor that awakens them for the need to change. The problem is when you have a small business or a very large business, if the shock factor is so great, you know, you're probably already declaring bankruptcy and it's too late. So, how do you bring about that awareness uh, that something needs to change and it needs to happen now um, but but the individuals don't don't uh, don't necessarily feel it in the book I talk about this concept called boardroom awareness mm-hmm. and that is in all the boardrooms that I've ever worked in um, i've never I've never uh, uh, heard anything that was so difficult that I couldn't explain to someone you know with a seventh grade education and and yet the the workforce that makes up large and small businesses are many times not on the same page with the ownership. But if they had what I call boardroom awareness, if everyone could understand the competition, the competitive threat, and, and then be empowered to be able to make a difference, to make changes in their own work life, to help the company as a, as a collection of individuals move forward, you know, all that is is you know, the old knowledge is power. But I think I think all it all it requires is the ownership and the senior management has to give the employees the tools to truly feel empowered uh, and and actually be empowered to make a difference, which usually means you know becoming um, leaner or or improving quality or improving customer service, whatever it is. It a change is required, and human nature, as you know, is to resist those changes.
1: Absolutely, and the seven arts are fundamental elements of any change process, because you're saying they go to the most basic level of human behavior and spirit. But I want you to explain to people that when you say the words fundamental and basic, this doesn't mean that it's going to be easy.
2: No, no. What what it means is, and and this is why I hope that that the reception of the book, I I think it's the reason why it's already... Um, kind of resonating with people. Because by basic, I almost mean it resonates with our own common sense. There's nothing complicated about what does it really take to go through a meaningful change process. So I tried to write it in in the simplest um, of terms. So by basic, I simply mean that um, if we're going to engage in any um, change activity and sustain it, then we're going to have to develop the mental discipline and patience. To your point, it's not going to be easy to actually see it through. So many people, you know, they, they begin a change process like losing weight or something, and they'll they'll go in fits and starts, as opposed to uh, being able to maintain a path of of continuous improvement. Um, uh, which is why the subtitle of the book is Leading Business Transformation That Lasts. It's the same thing with our individual life. How do I lose weight and keep it off? How do I stop smoking and not return to smoking? Um, I'm, I'm fond of telling my, my business um, clients, uh, you know, the word addiction is usually uh, associated with bad things, I'm addicted to alcohol, I'm addicted to crack, I'm addicted to, you know, whatever. But my my philosophy is we're all addicted. What we're addicted to is the way in which we've always done things. And,
1: Absolutely. And I'm going to have you continue that thought, uh, David, when we come back from the commercial break. I'm with David Shainer, who holds an endowed chair as Herring professor at, of Asian Studies and Philosophy at Herman University. He's also an internationally renowned teacher of Kia Kido and holds a seventh degree black belt. Shayner has taught at Harvard University, was a member of the Olympic Valley USA Ski Team, and has served as a Fulbright Fellow in India. His book that has just recently released, entitled The Seven Arts of Change, Leading Business Transformation That Lasts, uh, you can find out more about him and this book at DavidsShaner dot com. But Shaner has distilled his experiences into the Seven Arts, seven sequence principles that combine Western business savvy with Eastern philosophy to bring about positive organizational change and personal spiritual development. These wonderful seven arts we'll go into in the next segment, so come right back.
3: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11 22 33 444
1: For over 20 years, Dr. David Shainer was the principal of Shainer & Associates Performance Development Consultants. Shainer & Associates facilitated their corporate clients' ability to lead change and execute their business strategies and operations plans. Clients included Umbro, Frito-Lay, Duracell, Bic, Ryobi, Gillette, Owens Corning Composites, and many others. Today, Dr. Shainer has released a book entitled The Seven Arts of Change, Leading Business Transformation That Lasts. These seven arts allow... For an individual to discover the art of preparation, the art of compassion, the art of responsibility, the art of relaxation, the art of conscious action, the art of working naturally, and finally growing out of combining all others the art of service. In order for our organizations to change, we have to go to a very fundamental and basic level, which means that our individuals within that organization must change as well. You can connect with Dr. Shaner at davidshainer.com and also uh, connect to his newly released blog so that you can gain more information and wonderful insight from this uh, great teacher that has uh, released this wonderful new book, The Seven Arts of Change. Uh, David, let's talk a little bit about how you interchange the terms spirit and culture throughout this book, because many people in the past, the word has been culture, it's been organizational culture, corporate culture, and it is a time where now people are a little bit more open to a different type of verbiage, and spirit does seem to really resonate, because everything seems to have its own uh, spirit or energetic body, or, uh, and physical body, and so it's, it's very much like even looking at a human being.
2: Well, you're you're absolutely right, and and in fact, there's a third word that um, in in the book and with my clients that I use um, interchangeably as well, and that is simply the word mind. uh, A corporation is really a collection of the sum total of every stakeholder's mind. That would be employees, customers, suppliers, shareholders, um, board members. Um, And what do I mean by that? Um, Just before the break, uh, I was saying that um, we're all addicted to what? The way in which we've always done things. Well, Well, the interesting question is, where is that? Where is that located? Well, it's located in our present memory. It is in our present mind that, that says, this is how we've always done things, either you know, in, in this family or in this small business or in this giant corporation. That means that everyone, their collective spirit includes a collective memory of how they work together. So if you want to change an organization or an individual, if you want to change yourself at a deep level, then as you well know um, in your work is you have to change you know, your spirit or your consciousness or maybe your awareness of your spirit. Um, and in, in the business clothing, I usually say that the culture of your business is in the sum total, the collection of the minds and their past experience that informs them of you know, the way in which we've always done things. So if you're going to move ahead, if you're going to improve, then obviously we have to change the way we do things. And the root cause of that is going to have to be a change of consciousness where people understand, you know, the real reasons, the driving force, the um, uh, behind the need for change. And, you know, I become patriotic about this in the sense of saying, you know, it's about... Creating more productive uh, organizations where um, we stop outsourcing jobs simply because some some accountant is saying, You know what you're paid this in the United States, but we can you know move this operation offshore and our labor costs will go down, but that's not including kind of the the spirit, the mind of the employees that if they were given the right tools, that is, the reasons for change, the right training, the right development, then we can retain jobs, we can become more productive, and we can actually make work a vehicle for personal growth and development.
1: I think that's incredibly powerful. And it does seem that um, some of the large organizations are are taking this lead and starting to develop in this way, that that we finally realize that our collective humanity is feeling so stifled, and you use the word wilted in the book, um, yes. that we have to do something to re-enliven and, and put air and breath back into that.
2: It, well, I, I love what you said, air and breath, because uh, as you know, through my Aikido practice, I'm a, I'm a big person on meditation and breathing as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's so empowering When an organization begins to think and feel differently. Because when, you know, instead of feeling like management is trying to squeeze me like a turnip, uh, uh, and that's why I need to change, instead, when the change comes from the bottom up, when people are truly participating, um, when people are truly given the tools. Um, I tell business owners, if you want people to think and act like an owner, why don't you make them an owner? Why are you being greedy? And so in all of my clients, uh, we always develop some kind of pay for performance uh, uh, option or stock options if it's a publicly traded company, because then you know people truly feel that i'm willing to give 120% and it's not just because i'm being, you know, squeezed like a turnip i'm actually learning financial literacy i'm learning about lean manufacturing i'm learning tools about interpersonal skills and teamwork that are making me, you know, a better family member, a better husband, a better a better wife, a, a better father uh, rather than coming home at the end of the day Putting your feet up and then being negative because of the stresses and strains of the day, and then the the family has to bear the burden of that. Wouldn't it be great if if you come home enthused and at the dinner table you're talking about all the wonderful changes and empowering things that are, and innovations that are going on when the spirit of the company is actually opened up to be fully creative, fully alive, and um, and 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 doing things on strategy because the board has given every every employee an understanding of what does the real roadmap look like.
1: Well, and, and what I'm hearing you say, too, is it really gives an individual a sense of I matter.
2: You exactly. Know, instead of
1: feeling like they're just a nobody that's coming, going through the motions and there to collect a check... They really matter in the overall grand scheme of everything. And when they matter to that degree, it actually hits at every one of those core beliefs that every one of us have, whether it's unworthiness or not good enough or I'm stupid or I'm not lovable. <laughs> it, it really hits the core of those so that we can shed those labels and really step into that creative process, as you're saying.
2: Oh, you're absolutely right, absolutely right. and And isn't it a wonderful thing if if we just sit back for a minute and recognize you know if i if I own a business or if I'm a senior leader or if I'm a group manager, if I do things that actually um, help my you know people, my coworkers, if they can grow and develop as an individual, uh, or if we stand back and we just say, if I can improve the quality of someone's life at work, you know the wonderful thing that everyone has apparently has missed? The wonderful thing is the business results improve dramatically. That is, improving the quality of someone's uh, of someone's life at work, uh, removing conflict, removing doubt, removing fear, fear of being fired, fear of not knowing what it is that my manager's thinking. When you remove all that negativity, the business results grow and grow and grow. You, you know, the the funny thing is, um, here I am. You were kind in your introduction. I've been I've been a professor of philosophy while being a management consultant for the last thirty years. And 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 the the interesting thing is. Um, when, when I speak like a philosopher uh, uh, to, to the business audience, to every employee, I'm, I'm, I'm talking values, ethics, personal growth, and when, when the financial results become astronomically positive, all these years prior to writing this book, I was not a public person at all. This, this davidshaner.com, just kind of letting the cat out of the bag, what I've been doing for these 30 years, is brand new. All of my business with these fine global companies has been by referral. What I mean by that is um, I'm engaged with one kind of intervention at a company, and it goes extremely well, and everyone's kind of blown away by the positive results. Then maybe that senior executive goes to the next company, and the next, and the next. So... You know, I, everything that I do is by referral, and so the luxury that I have now is when I work with a new client, there's already very senior people who have been through this kind of transformation process at a previous company. And so, for example, with the client that I'm in right now, I was practically pre sold into the board by um, the chief financial officer who had seen uh, another dramatic turnaround in the textile industry. Which again saved American jobs, and and this current client uh, was in another industry, but they were in distress, and um, you know the the results speak for themselves. So um, I think that's the most exciting part of this because you know the business audience, as you well know, is going to be skeptical. You know, don't use the word spirit. How can you possibly talk about this stuff in the workplace? You know, you need to be kicked out. Well, finally, I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag and say, you know, these principles we've been following to to generate these these incredible business results, guess what? They're all core spiritual principles of change.
1: Well, and that's that's a a subtle example of what you're even talking about in the book because when we allow ourselves to truly step into the voice that wants to come through us, regardless (laughs) of what other people are going to think, when we really let that part of ourselves come out, true change happens. Our own empowerment happens. We're able to touch many, many lives. And then the world opens up to us and we're able to present all of those gifts that we have uh, in a manifest form so that the world can partake of them and we're able to experience ourselves in a grander way. And you've done that through this book, but through the processes of this book, companies can allow their employees, their associates to do that as well.
2: Well, um I, I certainly hope so. And um I mean you, you speak uh, volumes of truth there in just in just a few four, short sentences, um, and I I completely agree with you. And and, and that's that's the benefit. Of course I want to see the, the financials of my clients, you know, improve because that's gonna secure the future of the employees. You know, at at ten nearly ten percent unemployment in this country, you know, people are looking for how do I run a better organization? And and to me, sure. It's not just about shareholder value, but if all of the employees are also shareholders, then then they're going to work every day with a mission to improve themselves, uh, you know, spiritually, interpersonally, and oh, by the way, at the same time, it might even improve, you know, my wallet, my ability to be a provider um, at home, and and maybe through uh, turning this company around, no more are we going to be afraid that that the ownership is going to you know, shut down this plant and send us all home and, and open another plant in some other part of the world.
1: That's right. According to David Shainer, failures take place because change is only happening or only targeted at the surface. For a lasting transformation to occur, the kind of adjustment that leads to dynamic growth, profitability, and the ability to identify and surmount new challenges before they arise, change must first occur and it be addressed with the individuals. Once individuals understand their critical role in the change process, Deep roots are anchored within the corporate culture. This is wonderfully illustrated through David Shayner's new book, The Seven Arts of Change Leading Business Transformation That Lasts. You can connect with him at davidshayner.com, find out more about this book and more about his wonderful qualifications, and also a new blog that he has re- just released. We'll be right back and discover some of the questions that lead to organizational change and then what those seven arts of change really are. Join you in just a few minutes.
3: Talk, talk, talk. talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, one 472 5795 You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh.
1: Dr. David Shayner holds an endowed chair serving as the Herring Professor of Asian Studies and Philosophy at Furman University, where he has taught for the last 29 years. He's also taught at Harvard University, where he was awarded an Andrew Mellon Faculty Fellowship in Humanities, Department of East Asian Languages and Civilizations. He is the author of The Body-Mind Experience in Japanese Buddhism and the co-author of Science and Comparative Philosophy with Shigenori Nagatomo and Yuasa Yasuo. Dr. Shaner is also the founding editor of the Philosophy and Biology book series that is with the State of University of New York. His new book, The Seven Arts of Change, uh, it starts with the individual's awakening, their own untapped potential, and then that awakening is extended to the organization as a whole. Finally, it moves beyond that into the wider world. As simple as it is profound, Dr. Shainer's great insight is that everyone and everything is connected, and this maxim is truer than ever in today's fast-moving business environment. You can connect with David Shainer at com. David, there are certain questions that seem to first come up or need to be addressed, um, for a company to truly want to engage in change. Can you go over some of those questions? I think the primary one is, where is the organization's culture or spirit?
2: Um, Yes, and that is probably the very best place to start, whether or not you're engaged in your own personal change process or whether an organization is is changing. Um, I don't know if you were aware of this, but in the business literature, um, it is documented that 70 to 80 percent of the t- time, when companies try to "quote unquote" change the culture due to a merger an acquisition or, or you know new competitors, whatever, 70 to 80 percent of the time they fail. And that should not be surprising. Um, when I speak to people, and I might ask them uh, this first question: How many of you have ever tried to lose weight? And then someone, you know, people will raise their hand. And I said, was it easy? Did you keep the weight off? And then, you know, I see the heads saying, "No, no, no, it was very difficult." And I I was maybe not successful. I say, "How many of you have ever pledged like New Year's, I'm going to I'm going to get really healthy. I'm going to sign up for the health club. I'm going to be on a mission now. This year I'm going to get healthy. Um I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to exercise. Was it easy?" And I and you know, A lot of people have raised their hand, yes, I have made that promise to myself, and no, it wasn't easy. As soon as I go around and ask about these basic things, I ask them, okay, if it was very difficult for just one person, you, to engage in a change process and make it last, imagine how difficult it is for an organization of five people. 500 people, 5,000, 50,000 people, imagine how hard it is to ask all of them to change on a dime, be successful, and make it last. So I say to them, no wonder the odds are astronomically against us. Sure. And I, and I say, okay, how is it that in all these years I've managed to work with my clients, and it's my clients and their employees who get the credit, but why is it 100% of the time it's been successful? And I say the most important question is the first question. I ask, say, the CEO, where is the culture of your business? Is it in your brands? Is it in your um, IT department? Is it in your distribution system? Um, Is it in your product portfolio? Is it in your R&D? And, of course, they know I'm a philosopher, right? Right. So they say, oh, no, David, that's not where our culture is. Our culture is in our people. Our <laughs> people are our most important asset. And I said, well, you know, uh, Mr. or Ms. CEO, um, I've had the opportunity, and thank you very much for letting me visit all your people and your plants and, and you know, doing this kind of assessment. And I can tell you, sir or ma'am, your people are miserable. Mm. (laughs) So when you tell me your people are your most important asset, when was the last time you talked to them? Um, Because I don't find them motivated, ready to go, peak performance. There's problems everywhere. And they say, well, so I said, so let's focus in on this. Where really is the culture? Because people is not enough. Where in the people is it? Is it in their elbows? Is it in their eyebrows? And then they go, well, eventually we get to the point where we say it's in their mind or it's in their spirit. The culture of the organization is in the mind of everyone who works here and who has a past experience. So if they understand that the baseline is in – if they don't understand truly, openly, and honestly what people think – you know, that's the base of where, uh, of where we have to start a change process. You have to honestly understand where every single employee, every single stakeholder, what do they really think about the business, about the product line, about their boss, about senior management? Because if you want to lead people for change, you have to honestly address where are they at really today. And if you misgauge, you know, if you throw a change management program at somebody or a weight management or a spiritual development program at somebody and you don't really understand where their true, open and honest starting place is, then, you, you, you know, you're giving them a tool, but, but, you, but you have misjudged where the baseline actually is. And so I think understanding where is the culture is the most important uh, question, you know, to get the ball rolling.
1: And that really requires people then to get rigorously honest because um, unless you want to work with an addiction or heal a health issue or work on spiritual development, unless you're willing to... To be rigorously honest and look at something in microscopic detail, you will not affect change.
2: Exactly, and and that's why I have I have learned over the years, I'm not the kind of consultant that's going to miss miswar- mince words. Excuse me, with the CEO that might be paying you know my my um, my fees. I understand that I need to be kind of the bull in the china shop to get to this level of openness and honesty with the real leaders because it could very well be that if the leadership themselves is willing to embrace change and do it publicly and talk to the employees at a whole other level of openness and honesty, then guess what? The employees are going to go, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. I cannot believe that this man or this woman who's been the person that I've had this negative opinion of is actually admitting that they've made mistakes, is admitting that maybe their understanding of who we are and what we really think has been wrong all these years, and that that can become uh, an opener to really get people to practice, you know what, this person seems to be leading open and honest communication, so maybe this change is real and this is not going to be the flavor of the month. Well and change typically happens because we have a
1: crisis in our lives and I guess in a business environment it would be an urgent business crisis, We don't have to wait for that place to really want to initiate change. We could start a person that's wanting to start a new business. If they implemented the steps within this book, The Seven Arts of Change, then they literally would start out with a whole and healthy culture or spirit within the organization. And then how often do they need to look at themselves to go back and reevaluate? Are we still following the spirit of our organization fully along the path?
2: Yeah, well, of course, uh, as, as you well know, you have to look at yourself openly and honestly every single day. But, but you make a great point. Um, well, I, I had one CEO once ask me, they said, David, you know, it is a crisis, just as you just said. We're facing, you know, crisis XYZ. And they said, David, how quickly do you think we can change the culture? Mm-hmm. And I looked at them and I, and, and, uh, and I said, well, um, if you like, we can change the culture in one day. They said, no, that's impossible. What are you talking about? I said, well, the only, you could change the culture in one day, but the only way you can do that is to fire every single person. Mm. Because if you do that, the mind, the collective memory, the habit mind, the way in which we've always done things walks out the door. Right. But to your point now, is how does that lead into what you were just asking? If you were starting a new business, it's the same as firing everyone, because guess what? Now you have to hire a new person. Well, as soon as you go out and start hiring new people, they are developing a sense of history from the the very first minute they walk in your door. How are you greeted? How are you acknowledged? How do people dress? What seems to be the customs around here about breaks or what have you? That's like starting your own new business, but you don't even have to... You know, wait to start your own business every single day, whether you're in business or you are truly, you know, considering a new venture, you are creating the new culture every single business day because what you're creating are collective experiences, present experiences, in the now experiences that, you know, a second from now or a second ahead, that will be, you know, you, what you're creating is, is the collective memory of the organization, So if you want to change the culture, the the next question is, when? You know, the first question was, where's the culture? It's in your mind. It's in the spirit. The next question is, when? When can you actually change the culture? The only time you, I, or anyone else on this planet has is right now. Because the past is really in your present memory, and the future is really in your present hopes, dreams, and ambitions. So you have to look in the mirror openly and honestly every day. You have to kind of approach every present moment with freshness and ask yourself, what kind of a business do I want to actually work in? How can I, how can I change the culture of everyone around me? And you know, we're all free and empowered to make that change every single day, uh, whether our boss is on board or not. It's your life. Um, you're spending half of it at work. Why not let work be the place where you practice your highest principles of values and spiritual development.
1: Well, and for that change to occur from, um, and I, I don't want to use the word bottom, but it's the only one I could come up with at this moment, from the bottom up, it right. really has to be initiated from the top. They have to be willing to change their minds. They have to be willing to change the filter that they see through, the eyes that they look through. Uh, and, and in their assessment of things, they have to be willing to allow people probably the time to now change these mind behaviors that have been put into place?
2: Well, um, you know, uh, you, you just made a great point, um, in, and it's, it's probably reflected in the way the book is written because it's kind of a memoir of, you know, 30 years of consulting and what works. Um, but um, in that book, yes, it has been my opportunity to work with the senior-most managers first who are going to lead the change process. But but here's here's why I think your comment is so interesting. I'm hoping through this book that readers out there will simply say, you know what? I don't have to wait for my boss or the CEO of my company or you know, my manager to change. I can begin practicing these things immediately to enhance my own quality of life. Now, maybe I, I won't get the tools of boardroom awareness because the board is not giving me that information. But in every other uh, respect, uh, I can do what I can do to try to change the culture of my immediate work area. And so I am hoping that actually uh, once people understand these principles, um, that they could in fact lead change maybe from the bottom up and then maybe get Senior management's attention to say, "Wow, what's really going on over here in this plant or in this department? What's what's happening?" And then people will say, "Well, you know what? We've been just kind of practicing this seven arts process with each other in our work group, and it's 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 enhanced everything um, about uh, you know our work life, including the bottom line. Our quality's improved, our safety is improved, and then by by people beginning to take note of what's going on, I truly hope that this book will be. a catalyst for change to start in any organization from any place in the organization. It could be 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 a high vision, but that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book.
1: So you can be the change you wish to see by breaking down the barriers of your own perception, the walls that you've erected that keep various portions of life separate from each other, whether it is work and play, family and business, or your individual life, or the corporate life. You can learn to embrace change and sustain it. In this process, we become wiser, happier, and more productive across the board. My guest today is Dr. David Shayner He is the author of The Seven Arts of Change, Leading Business Transformation That Lasts. You can connect to him at davidshainer.com, and we'll be right back to discover some of the seven arts of successful change.
3: Ask the experts. Call toll free right now. 1 866 472 5787. And ask our All Star team to answer your questions. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11 111 22 33 444. Discovering the heart and stepping into conscious living 1111 magazine order now at www.1111mag.com 1111mag.com
3: Go inside the inner workings of the entertainment industry to find out what's next in television, film, and on the web. Listen for Next Stop Hollywood. Hosted by entertainment insiders and pop culture junkies Brad Roth and Mark Feldstein. You'll find out how your favorite TV shows and movies are created and marketed from the conventional to the creative. This fast-moving industry has much more behind the scenes than what you see. No matter how big the screen. Next stop, Hollywood. airs live Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Left Coast, 7 p.m. Right Coast on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: The Seven Arts of Change provide a sequential process for lasting business transformation. You'll discover that by following the Seven Arts of Spiritual Development, you can highly be highly successful at not only leading change, but also sustaining change throughout an organization. By fundamental and basic, I don't mean that they're easy or quick. It means that you will have methods that you can allow yourself to Allow change in this organization, and you can do that through this new book by Dr. David Shainer, The Seven Arts of Change, Leading Business Transformation That Lasts. These seven arts include the art of preparation, the art of compassion, the art of responsibility, the art of relaxation, the art of conscious action, the art of working naturally, and ultimately this leads to the art of service. For us to allow for change on a collective level, we have to be willing to stand up and be seen and heard and know that the responsibility of change occurs first within us and then will vibrate outward into the businesses, communities, and world that we live in. David, let's talk a little bit, since we have such a short time left on the show. I could talk for another two hours with you on the subject, but um, let's talk a little bit about some of the seven arts. And First of all, much of this is grounded in the Aikido philosophy, That you grew with, along with other philosophies that you studied over the years, but you do utilize some of that Aikido philosophy in the development of these seven arts, correct?
2: Yes, I I, I do, and I've been blessed. Um, My my teacher of forty years now, his name is Koichi Tohei. He's ninety years old, lives in Tochigi, Japan, and he is the first in 1953 to bring Aikido out of Japan into the United States. He Actually came to Hawaii in 1953. Um, but in addition to him, I've been blessed with, you know, wonderful teachers and mentors uh, that I discuss in the book from, from my ski racing days, um, my 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 work in in academia at Harvard and the University of Hawaii. I, I feel that I've been blessed with wonderful teachers, and um, I may not have been the very best student, or I may not have you know achieved the highest levels that my teachers did. But I feel so grateful that I was able to, um, in many cases, live with my uh, different teachers in different periods of my life. And in many respects, these seven arts is the pulling together of um, what I hope are all the the, the lessons that I've learned, and I hope my teachers will be uh, proud of me for that.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the first of the seven arts of successful change is the art of preparation. And you said that you discovered that they have a... um, Coordinating piece when it comes to organizations, and I guess that coordinating piece would be assessment.
2: Yes, yes. Um, as I mentioned uh, in an earlier segment, um, I had I had been writing a seven arts book on spiritual development, and the first one was the art of preparation. Um, that's the idea that. Um, we need to take an honest look at ourselves when we're engaged in any um, change process. Um, you need to, you know, am I truly addicted? Am I, um, am I ready to embark upon the change process because maybe I'm already experiencing some pain and suffering in my life? Well, in the same way, the counterpart uh, for that first art is what I call the art of assessment, And that's what um, I I think. What I do as a consultant, but it's what any business can do when when they uh, actually assess where is the mind, what do people really think, what is the base starting place for organizational change. And so, whether you're dealing with an individual or a corporation, the art of preparation slash the art of assessment is 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 really the first cornerstone. And then each of the other seven arts, we may not have time to go through them all, but a wonderful part of the book is that they are sequential. That is, each art um, builds upon the other art. So it's not just you know throwing the seven dice out and then picking one up and using it uh, however you like. There's actually a logic, a rhythm, a process of development um, that, again, whether you're changing as an individual or a corporation, uh, I'll give you one, just a quick illustration of that. The second art is called the art of compassion. Well, compassion's a kind of a fuzzy word for using in uh, you know in business, but I've always talked about compassion is nothing other than meaningful participation, actually engaging the entire workforce in the change process. Mm. That's a compassionate thing to do. And and once you understand through the art of, art of preparation where people are truly coming from, largely through an interview process, you've just spent time with people, then it's a compassionate thing to actually engage them, uh, to invite them into a process of thoroughgoing company change. And once you do that and you invest a lot of time in, for example, training and development, because that represents a big investment on behalf of the company, it seems, it seems legitimate that once you've listened to everyone, the art of preparation, you've engaged everyone through training and development, meaningful training and development, that's the art of compassion, then it makes sense to practice the next art, which is the art of responsibility. Well, in business People want to hold people accountable, right? I've given you, I've listened to you, I've given you all this training and development. Now it makes sense for us to live by our words. And as I say in the book, it's as as basic as doing what you say, Uh, being able to be someone that's trustworthy, that's counted on, that's willing to put forth the effort. So um, I'll stop right there um, and just say that that's an example of how preparation leads to compassion, compassion leads to responsibility, and so on.
1: Well, and, and then it goes on into relaxation and other things. And as I look through these,
2: mm-hmm. what,
1: I'm, what I'm seeing is it really is very much like a spiritual path. That it first is. we are in contemplation, and then we have to be loving about what we've seen about our contemplation. Exactly. And then we have to make a choice to do something about that <laughs> contemplation. And then yes. we have to learn to be still and yes. to know and to hear. And then yes. we take action. So it very much does follow what the personal journey of the soul, in a sense, Yes, and what you're working with is really the soul of a company and the soul of its people, and all of these parts coming to- together to make up that body, that spiritual body that is then there to do something in the world.
2: Well, you know it, I'm smiling right now. can you can you feel it? <laughs> <I do. laughs> when I, When I talk to people um, like yourself, uh, I mean, I know you're a person very committed to making connections in your own you know personal life, and you've made that your professional life as well. And to hear you summarize. In your own spiritual language, the exact logic, which is, you know, you were 100% right how each art leads to the next. But when I hear other people use their own language as opposed to my terminology, it just brings, uh, you know, you can see my teeth. Uh, My smile is, is is so large.
1: Well, it's because then you know that the person got it, that it hit them in the heart, and they really were able to take it in, and not just take it in, that it's integrating. And that's the one thing about this book, and and the book is entitled The Seven Arts of Change. It's by Dr. David Shainer. But the one thing about this book is it is very easy to read, and as you go through it, even though you're reading about organizations and companies, very much can a person see themselves i mean literally that's what we are we are an organization we've got all these parts that are going inside of us and if we're not taking care of our health that's one department that's failing and you know it, it very much is like looking at the personal journey and i just think for people that may not be as spiritually inclined or may not be the type to contemplate you know where their wounds are this gives them a fresh approach that um can take them through the same process without them feeling like they're getting into uh, some of the other areas or some of the the deep emotional areas or woo woo areas of the new age or anything else. It's right. a very practical method of going through the process.
2: Well, you know, I feel I feel blessed. Uh, I I mentioned that. I've been blessed with wonderful teachers that have had um, infinite patience with me as a, as a student. I've been blessed with wonderful clients, uh, huge organizations that were willing to trust this process and trust me as they initiated their change initiative. And I've been blessed because uh, that this, the person's name is Brent Cole. Who is a you know a senior editor a professional writer he's the one that took my seven hundred and fifty pages that of of text in two books and and combined them into this uh seven arts book uh working with me to put it in the the most simple the most clear um language that would resonate with the widest you know uh, possible population and so for me to hear you say, wow, it's highly readable and it, it's very clear and it resonates with me, I just have a smile to say, well, I got blessed again because it's the talent of Brent Cole, not David Shayner, that makes the book that well, readable.
1: It is the collective of the spirit, and that's what <laughs> occurred with this book. Let mega-successful <laughs> business consultant David Shayner show you how to make lasting and successful changes in your organization. Uh, Go out and get your copy now of The Seven Arts of Change, Leading Business Transformation That Lasts. You can connect with David Shainer at davidshainer.com. Also read his blogs and find out more about who he is. That's davidshainer.com. I look forward to talking to you next week. Until then, I'm Simran Singh. Be well.